0: Welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host and founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to learn how to build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you haven't been to my website yet, please just go over there and take a look. It's ncrealestate.co.uk. There are free resources, there are paid resources. There's a whole wealth of information. So if you haven't done that yet, do make sure that you go over and have a look and download my master spreadsheet whilst you're at it so that you guys can run your portfolios with ease from your desktop so that you don't have to be trying to grab files from here, there, and everywhere. Save yourself a little bit of time, get that spreadsheet. Honestly, it's my gift to you. So today, I am very excited to welcome back to the podcast, Nishita Gudkar. Nishita is a partner at Leap Botomonia Williams, and she acts for companies, entrepreneurs, charities, and high net worth individuals in relations to all aspects of property transactions, Her experience includes dealing with sales and purchases of commercial property, acting for both landlords and tenants, as well as providing advice in managing property portfolios. Not only that, you will all know that she is my lovely solicitor. We've known each other for a very long time, worked together for many, many years now. Hi, Nishita, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hi, Natasha, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you for coming back. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject which I think we need to discuss: the commercial property industry and the legal indus- issues around commercial property investment,
1: because yeah,
0: it's, it's seemingly something that everybody is really terrified of right now. There is no good news coming out of the property, inv- the commercial property market.
1: Yeah, if if you look at um the headlines at the moment it is absolutely doom and gloom but a doom and gloom property market also means that there's opportunities for people if you know what you're looking for and so hopefully um today we can just highlight some of the key issues that you need to be looking at
0: yes i think it's really important because Commercial isn't necessarily that scary. It can be pretty lucrative. As you say, there's opportunities. We just have to look at it in the right way. And especially looking at the legal issues and leases. And every time I say leases, I can feel my audience's eyes glaze over. Well,
1: you know, I, I don't blame them. I have- before I before I became a solicitor, I probably would have would have had the same reaction. Um, maybe it's worth just me spending um, a couple of minutes just explaining the difference between a freehold and leasehold um, yeah. interest. I think if that's of use. Yeah. So a freehold interest is essentially an interest in for forever of a parcel of land, and if you have a freehold interest, you can do what you want with it. Um, subject to any restrictions that might affect the land um, but don't worry about that too much a leasehold interest is an interest that's granted out of another interest and it's for a specific period of time so your use of that land is limited to the term of the lease and your use of the land is controlled by the provisions in the lease Mm -hmm. so Hopefully that makes a little bit of sense.
0: And then, with all properties, what you then see well, when you look, go out to buy, then you've got the freeholder, then sometimes you've got a head lease which you could buy, and then you've got the underlease.
1: Yes, absolutely. So you can grant a lease out of a freehold interest, mm-hmm. and from that lease, that um, leaseholder can grant a sublease. Um, to another occupier, and it's it's really common in a commercial um, setting where you may have a freeholder, um, such as one of the big um, estates like Cadogan or Welcome, who have granted a longer lease, a 125-year lease to to an investor, and that investor then grants shorter leases of various parcels of that property or building. Mm-hmm. So from that, it's then very important to know what you're buying. It's incredibly important to know what you're buying. Um, if you're buying a leasehold property, you absolutely need to know the various layers of ownership. Um, it's likely that you'll need consents from all the various owners. And you'll need to know what restrictions are are being placed on how you can use your land, which is crucial.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that you don't find someone coming after you a couple of years down the line, whether for money or
1: with an injunction. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they can be really innocuous things. Um, for example, if you're purchasing a news newsagent, um, there may well be a provision in the lease to say no gambling on the premises. But if you're selling something, you know, lottery tickets or scratch cards, technically, that's a breach of, of the lease. And if your landlord wants to be difficult, it could be.
0: Mm hmm. Mm <laughs> hmm so definitely something to watch out for and especially a question to ask the agent when you're trying to figure out what it is that you're buying don't just assume freehold
1: absolutely
0: so question of the day how have you seen the property industry change over the
1: last few months well i think when we all first went into lockdown um everything shut down um transactions that were not ready to complete, that we're in the middle of completing, just stopped. Um, people weren't able to physically view buildings. Surveyors couldn't go in and do their surveys. So it was a really difficult time. Nobody really knew what was happening. Um, as we're starting to come out of it, um, see, things seem to be moving a little bit more, but I think we're still in a, in a quite a difficult patch.
0: mm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And have you seen much on the commercial side with investors and owner-occupiers still buy?
1: There, ha- there has been a fall. I mean, some of the statistics I've been reading is that the March quarter had a nearly 40% drop in transactions, which is a huge number. I think it's one of the highest, if not the highest, drop in transactions um, that that have been been measured. But people are investing. And um, people are taking a longer term view on, on their investments. But I think people are still trying to understand what the market is going to do. And everybody has their own theory, which which makes things interesting, but also quite difficult to predict. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely some scaremongering and there's also a lot of optimism at the same time. So how have you from a legal point of view seen
1: the commercial property market change so the last few months have, have been have been interesting um there's been the moratorium on forfeiture which has been really crucial um to the commercial property market um, particularly for, from both ends from from a landlord and a ten tenant side um from the landlord side it's meant that that you can't commence forfeiture proceedings for non-payment of rent. Um, From the tenant side, quite a lot of tenants have taken a false hope from that and are under the false impression that they can stop paying their rent. Mm. So, from a legal perspective, a lot of our time has been spent trying to make people understand what the ramifications are of that looking through leases, understanding exactly what tenants can and can't do, um helping landlords put in place rent concession letters, so that the whole thing is regularized. So when we do come out of it, everybody knows where they are. Yeah, because that's
0: one of the big things and certainly a lot of property managers are saying that tenants are just writing to property management companies or landlords and just stating their position and then ignoring any communication that's coming back to them. But you can't just ignore it, surely. You can't
1: put your head in the sand and hope that this isn't happening. No, you know, the, the Act doesn't say that the rent is not payable. Mm-hmm. So your rent continues to accrue, and it, and most leases will also have an interest clause, probably at 4% of the base. So you're also... Incurring interest on your rent unpaid rent, and at some point, your landlord, if you have been really obstructive, is probably going to ask for all of the rent to be paid um and then you've got to look at your cash flow position at that point i I think the the relationships which have been more successful are, are the ones that have generally and genuinely been cooperative with everybody taking some of the pain.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what is happening then with break clauses can you serve a break clause at the moment if you're not up to date with the main rent or paid
1: your interest that's a really interesting point um most break clauses will have conditional conditions attached to them Mm -hmm. and one of the conditions will be that your rent needs to be paid up to date yeah and all sums due under the lease and rent uh, interest, beg your pardon, will be a sum due under the lease. So if you want to exercise your break, the landlord would be perfectly in their right to ensure that all of the rent is paid um, up to date before it considers that the break is effective.
0: Yes, there's no getting out of it if you've not paid your rent unless you forfeit your lease in which case the landlord gets the premises back and
1: is that what commercial tenants are after really well forfeiture is a really drastic um situation and and, and that's just because your lease is forfeited that doesn't mean that there's not still the contractual right to, um the contractual need to pay the rent and you're just going to end up with fairly costly proceedings um I think, you know, tenants really need to think carefully about what they want to do, their reputation, um, whether they want to stay in the premises. And and our, our view is, and our advice has been to our landlord clients, investor clients, is have an open and frank dialogue with your tenants, because landlords also don't want empty properties. No. Um, and there are are definitely things that we can do to help. We can put in rent concessions. We can look at the terms of the lease. We can see whether they can be re-geared, re-geared so that they're more favourable mm-hmm. um, to to make sure that the tenant is able to survive and the landlord is able to get some rent, which is, after all, why they made the investment in the first place. Yeah, even if it's just to cover costs at the moment. Exactly.
0: Have you um, Have you seen any... Uh, any really good examples of what a commercial landlord or a commercial tenant can do? You know, has there been any good rent freeze or clauses that have been put into commercial leases that you're like, okay, well, that worked really well here. And just for everybody listening, this is just example purposes only. Your own situation will be something that you need to get individual advice on. Mm -hmm. Um, And things that you're just like, oh my gosh, I just wish that hadn't have happened or I wish there'd been something else that we could have done here
1: so where we've where we've had good um landlord landlords and where they have got um some cash reserves themselves and I think the, the thing to, to keep in mind is that not all landlords are the same and some some are small businesses who are really dependent on that income stream coming through um So where they do have some cash reserves, we've had quite a lot of landlords agreeing to um, an initial deferment of rent. So no rent payable for a few months. And after that, um, rent being paid at a slightly higher rate to make up for the difference. That was on the assumption though, (laughs) that we would be out of this by now. So the idea was that, that the March quarter would be deferred and then in the June and June September and December quarters, the amount of rent payable each quarter would be slightly higher. Yeah um, So I think what we are finding a little bit more is that um, that there is going to be a deferment of rent and it's going to be spread over probably the, the rest of the term um, or there is going to be a, a kind of a reduction in rent but an abnormal rent review beyond the normal rent review provisions in the lease Mm -hmm. Um, so for example if uh, we've had a couple of situations where the landlord has agreed to reduce the rent for two years but the next rent review is not due for four years but they've said look after two years we will have another rent review and if the rent needs to go up to more than what you would have been paying it's going to go up okay so it's a
0: bit of a give and take we'll take the hit now but we're not taking the hit in two years time after this has blown over yeah
1: absolutely um but we've had um on the tenant side i've had calls from a couple of tenants where the landlord has absolutely refused to offer any concession at all um and it has led the 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 tenant clients to start to consider winding up their businesses (sighs) It's not playing the long game. It's it's not playing the long game, and um, it's really it's very difficult because for for certain certain types of tenants, they were forced into a situation, not of their own making, and, and, and it's 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 heartbreaking really to see that happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Even though they still have got you know the rent, they don't have to pay the rent right now. They're definitely not going to have their. uh they're at least forfeited right now but that also then delays the inevitable doesn't it for these landlords who aren't seeing the long term because these tenants will push it out until is it the 30th of september and then what at that point wind up and there'll be no money in the pot to pay all of that unpaid rent for the
1: time Uh, absolutely which is which is why um you know when you ask me what's been successful I think that kind of little bit of give and take pay what you can afford we will take some of the hit um seems like a sensible um solution but only time will tell really <laughs> it's wild uh have never think... known anything like this no
0: <laughs> and do you think these tenants will actually be able to pay up the rent when this is all over or
1: are no they... no okay my 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 gut feeling and I'm not a valuer and I'm not a surveyor um you know I like I like to give you I like to tell you what the law says you can do but but my <laughs> gut feeling is that um we will have if you're not been trading for six months you know, you're going to have to have an exceptionally good year to make up for not trading for six months. And I I, I struggle to see how most tenants are going to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's going to be the issue. And the problem is, is that the tenants who are actually doing pretty well during this time are also not paying their rent. So it doesn't help landlords who would expect the rent in from a tenant that's doing pretty well and maybe they're not expecting 100% of the rent in but maybe 80 70 to 80 percent of the rent they can cope with that but if you're not getting rent from a tenant that's declaring profits and you're also not getting the rent from a tenant who's not trading at all that's a huge risk but not only a risk for the landlords that's a risk for the
1: economy as a whole It is. Um, And I think that that's a really interesting point. And one of the things that's being floated um, is the likelihood of seeing turnover um, rents increasing. So a rent based on how profitable the business is. So the, the landlords would agree a base, a low level base rent, which they will get come what may, and then they will just get a share of the profit. In theory,
0: that's quite a good idea. But then you know that we'll start going back to tra- cash transactions.
1: Yes. <laughs> I can't <laughs> comment on the, uh, the honesty or otherwise of business people. There. <laughs> that was always the problem with the, with, with, with the turnover rents,
0: especially on uh, nail salons or similar businesses that
1: yeah. you never so, know. And it was important what is interesting with the turnover rent is that the landlord does have the right to, to look at look through all of your accounts and all of your books and install equipment onto your till so that they can monitor how much money you're making. Ooh, the landlords can do that. I did not know that. Well, that that's what a lot of leases will require as a way of, of um, so they, they expect you to use one or two agreed um, you know, point of sale um providers so that there is that which they trust and then that's how it's done quite often okay not, not in all cases it tends to be the slightly bigger landlords who can do have the software to do that the smaller ones are relying absolutely on the honesty of their their tenants mm-hmm <laughs> You have to make sure that you've
0: got yeah, a good landlord-tenant relationship, which is why now is not the point, the time to be telling your tenants that you're not going to help them whatsoever. Help them and they'll pay you.
1: Well, absolutely. And um, I think just going back to, to a conversation you and I had that the honesty of, of the landlord-tenant and tenant relationship, I think, is going to have a resurgence. Mm-hmm. And, and both parties need to be honest with each other. Um, to to get through through this and and use your lawyers to put it in writing so that everybody knows where they stand but you know it should be driven I think to to an extent by the personal relationship that you have with that tenant
0: yeah yeah I completely agree and that's why one tenant the tenant selection process as well when you first start getting that tenant in that's right for the premises rather than the first tenant that comes along and offers you a bit of money is Absolutely vital.
1: It really, really is. And I know when I was training, there was this the thing was anchor tenants. Mm -hmm. And if an anchor tenant came along, you gave them the unit. And sometimes you gave them a unit for free because that anchor tenant would attract other tenants. Yeah. We're now in a position that, you know, the concept of anchor tenants doesn't exist anymore because you just do not know, probably except for supermarkets. Um, You just don't know what's going to happen to them in in a few years' time. So really, really think about that that tenant and and who you're getting in and and take the advice from your surveyors who know the market and know the area about what they think is going to be happening in five, ten years' time in that part of the world. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Question about service charges... Mm -hmm. Should you still be collecting service charges and insurance from commercial tenants right now? It's
1: a a tricky one. Insurance rent. Yes. I think, you know, you're, as a landlord, you're insuring the building, you're insuring the building for the benefit of your tenants as well. So yes, I think that insurance rent, the tenants should be paying. um, And you should be demanding it. The service charge, it really depends on what services you're providing. Um, so if your entire building if you have an office block and nobody's allowed in you know you can't be providing the cleaning or the you know things like that so you have to really look carefully at what you can recharge to your your tenants
0: okay so it's about being fair it's about saying look the roof blew off during the storms in february (laughs) we we've put a new roof on whilst you've been out of lockdown we are going to charge it to you but here's we're going to do it in different installments
1: yeah exactly and it goes back to that honesty relationship you know the the tenants will want to know that they've got a building to go back to that's still standing (laughs) yeah (laughs) very true (laughs) so it's about being fair and reasonable then Absolutely. I think that this kind of fair and reasonable is a phrase that solicitors love to ins- insert into leases. Um, reasonable and proper, fair and reasonable. And it just gives everybody some scope to just take a step back and think, is this reasonable? Is what I uh, is what am I, what I'm about to do reasonable?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are tenants still renewing their leases right now? Have you seen leases come to an end and tenants say, actually, you know what, we will take it?
1: yes um we have they are all seeking to change some of the terms of the lease when they renew Mm -hmm. um i know one of my colleagues had one of the ten a tenant that we act for the landlord one of the tenants require um a rent suspension to be written into the lease in the event of a pandemic Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure how far those negotiations have gone um, but absolutely, people are, are renewing. Um, tenants are seeing this as an opportunity perhaps to um, secure premises at a lower rent or on more favorable terms. so yeah. there is there is opportunity out there And what are you seeing in regards to inside
0: the app versus outside the app leases for commercial, and should we go through the difference?
1: Yes let's go through the difference. Um, So when we say inside the Act, we're talking about the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954, that Act gives a statutory right for a tenant of a business premises that that is occupied for the purposes of the tenant's business. I know that's uh, something to think about there. Um, A statutory right to renew their lease at the end of the term. Mm There are some ways in which the landlord can refuse um, to renew the the lease. And they broadly fall into two categories. One is that the tenant has not been a good tenant. And the other is that the landlord wants the property back for its own purposes or wants to redevelop. Um, So there is scope for the landlord to say, no, we're not gonna give you a new lease. But generally it's quite difficult for a landlord um, not to renew the lease and mm-hmm. and if they choose not to renew the lease um, for grounds that have nothing to do with the tenant's behaviour um, generally in, not in all cases but generally there is some compensation to be paid to the tenant mm-hmm. and then an outside the act lease completely so, yeah an outside of the act lease it's a free for all at the end of the term <laughs> I think that's the best way I can describe it, not, not particularly yes. legal um, or technical, but it is all open for commercial negotiation. Um, I, I really like that. For any of my students who are listening,
0: who are doing master's or undergraduate, I would love to see you talk, talk to me about a free-for-all at the end of and outside the act. Please, <laughs> please remember this and come back to me with it. It shows that you listen to the podcast.
1: Um, but absolutely everything is up for negotiation. With 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 an, with an outside of the at least. With an inside the at lease, the lease is generally on the same terms as the previous lease. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm
0: um, And there's always pros and cons with each, but what are we seeing
1: more of in the market at the moment? So more recently over the last few years we've been seeing more and more leases that are contracted out of the 54 act Mm -hmm. so they do not have security of tenure Um, it it, is becoming very rare I I struggle to think actually of a new commercial lease that we've dealt with recently that's been inside of the act
0: okay and just because landlords don't want the difficulty of Having this strict procedure at the end of an inside the at lease,
1: absolutely. Um, they they don't want that strict procedure, but at the same time, landlords then have to be incredibly careful at the end of the term where it's contracted out lease, to make sure that that tenant um, vacates mm-hmm. and goes. Because if if they stay on at the end of the term, there is a risk um, that they could acquire security of tenure and inadvertently. Mm -hmm. so you know it it comes with its own set of problems
0: so you just need to be very mindful of commercial leases to diarise when they're coming to an end and make sure that you get in contact with your solicitor to tell them
1: that that's happening absolutely
0: so should we talk about what the commercial market is doing are you seeing differences in prime city centre locations such as london compared to commuter in smaller towns
1: Yes I think that there is a, a, a renewed interest in the more suburban um, locations. I wonder whether that's driven by kind of more people working from home and spending more time in that suburban, smaller out-of-town location. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are, are thinking that the people around during the day there's more money to be spent in those locations, and people are spending less time in central London, um, central city locations.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So there, a, there seems to be a resurgence, um, albeit anecdotally, in, in those sorts of locations.
0: Yeah, because if you were to snap up an investment property, at, but that doesn't have a tenant in, and then think, oh yeah, actually, this would be quite a good place, and then it only has a couple of years lifespan might not be the the best investment but at the same time it's you know it's following now trends and how people operate right
1: yeah it's absolutely i think that the traditional rules of real estate um are, are being ripped up a little bit because nobody knows what's going to happen i just go back to that comment i made earlier that everybody has their theory but this is such an unknown set of circumstances. We're in uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows. And, and to an extent, um, people are just going to have to see and, and see what happens. But then the key is just to, to have some flexibility in your investment. Yeah. Yeah. And be innovative. Uh, be- absolutely. You know, you agility is a buzzword at the moment you know whether it's agility in the place where you do your work working from home working from the office but I think the agility of spaces is is really interesting and important I mean the government are talking about easing up planning restrictions on change of use and you know with in an effort I think to make spaces more agile Um, that also comes with its own set of problems but it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and what difference that makes to people's investments.
0: It opens up the doors to a realm of possibilities if you've got a commercial property right now and it has been used as an office and you have had a bit of retail on the ground floor or you know just bog standard leases with tenants who have kind of been at the same game for the last five six seven years not really changed it up and now they've decided that this isn't working rather than seeing that as a panic and the fact that you're not going to be able to get another commercial tenant in i think look at the opportunity and see
1: actually what would work here absolutely i think you know now is the time to to try something new but i would caveat that with <laughs> you need to understand what the restrictions on your use of the property are. Yes. So just because the planning system has eased up doesn't mean that you can use the property for what you want to use it for. So most most leases will have a, a fairly strict permitted user. Um, it may be that you can only use the property as a shop it may be even stricter and some of the leases i draft say you can only use this as a high class antiques shop for example Mm -hmm. Um, and that tends to be where where landlords want to maintain you know diversity in their parade of shops yeah so you might need to go back and negotiate with your landlord to loosen that restriction on use Mm -hmm. So don't don't just jump in and think it will all be okay. Go back to your leases um, and and understand. And, And the same goes if you're a landlord, you need to understand what's going on in your properties. Go and have a look. Go and talk to your tenants. If you granted a lease to allow a property to be used only as a burger bar and a month later you find that it's been used as a hairdresser, you, you need to deal with it and you, you need to regularise it if you're happy with it, or if you're not happy with it, you need to get them to stop.
0: Yeah, yeah, to protect your asset and protect the value of the asset. And also, just because you have to be
1: aware of competition and what impact that has on other tenants if you have tenants in the parade. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I go back to, to that odd example of a high class antique shop. We don't want 12 high-class antique shops in the parade. Our our old tenant would, would not be particularly happy with that landlord if it suddenly found that its trade was being split over 12 shops rather than one. And that
0: goes back to our very original conversation. It's that trust thing. You're trusting that you are allowed to do X, Y and Z and you can change it. But in order to do that, you have to have the discussion with either the landlord or the tenant.
1: Yes, exactly. And you know, landlords are business people. So those of you listening who have properties and, and are landlords, you invested in those properties presumably because you want to make some money from them. Mm-hmm. So you don't want a situation where you have a parade of vacant units because you're refusing to be flexible on their use. Yeah. So there is a there is a balance to be had. Yeah, yeah, I completely
0: agree with that do you think it's more valuable having a set use or having an open use class so that's that's interesting and then it,
1: it's just really a valuer's point yeah um, on rent um so the general rule is that a tighter um, permitted use will lead to a lower rent and a more open use tends to lead to a higher rent because the rent can be valued on the higher use class mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and that's why in rent review clauses they tend to be more open user clauses
1: than in the actual use clause for the lease yeah and that's a really interesting point um when you're a landlord and you you want to have as, as open a class in your rent review um provisions as a tenant you want it the other way around so it's it's important that your solicitor understands that. Um, and quite often, if you have a trusted surveyor, you should get your surveyor to review the rent review clauses in leases too.
0: Mm-hmm. Because nine times out of ten nowadays, the rent review use class clause. Oh my gosh, I butchered that. The use class that is in the rent review is very different to the user class that the tenant's actually allowed to use the property for. And as a surveyor, what I do is I go along, and if I'm acting for a landlord. If there is an open user class, I will value it on all of the different use classes and I will serve a rent review notice at the higher amount of rent. Whereas if I was a tenant's surveyor, I'd always look for the lowest value use class and counter on that and probably meet in the middle somewhere. Um, but that's quite a tactical thing for a landlord. Um, and, and actually, I don't, I don't know why
1: tenants accept that unless they've been given significant concessions elsewhere. Well, I think um, if they end up in the tribunal, the tribunal tends to find um, for the highest use class if it's an open class.
0: Oh, do they? Okay. Well, um, yeah. As a tenant, you don't want you just want to be valued on your current use, and that just makes it. The code of leasing private business premises suggests that that's what you should do, um, but you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think. It goes back to understanding what's actually happening in your premises as yes. a landlord, because what you don't want to do is inadvertently waive um, a breach of the lease for a tenant to use the property for a lower use class. Yep. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know what the ramifications of that would be, but um, it would be interesting to see what would happen in that situation. hmm
0: Yes, it Always. moral of this story is always please go and check your use classes and make sure that your solicitors are on board and know what you want the use of the property to be and vice versa.
1: Yeah. And, and also things can, you can change things. Just because your lease is set one way doesn't mean that it has to be that way forever. You can vary the terms of the lease on a permanent basis. You can vary have a temporary concession. Um, it's all about negotiation. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So is that so what should then
0: a landlord be looking for if they buy a commercial property and there's already a tenant in situ? Um is there anything specifically that they should be looking for in a commercial lease? So
1: within well there's a few things that that we would be that I would be looking at when I was doing the, if I was doing the due diligence um, in that situation, um, one of the things would be understanding exactly where the tenant is as far as rent is concerned. Are they up to date? Have, there ever, have they ever been in arrears? Mm-hmm. And we would ask that for that information. Yeah. In terms of the actual lease itself, mm-hmm. we would want to know whether it is um, within the act or outside of the act, as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. How often the rent reviews are um, scheduled and the basis of rent review, whether it's an open market rent review, whether it's an RPI rent review, whether it's a fixed rent review. Mm -hmm. Um, What the user provisions are, what the alienation provisions are, so by alienation, um, whether you can, whether the the tenant can sublet, share uh, or sell on their lease. um also we, you want to just understand what the landlord what the sorry, what the tenant can and can't do i mean that's a very general thing to say but can they um, make alterations to the lease what sort of use can they use, use the property for um, are they responsible for insuring the property all down to you and fund, and most not most importantly but but of Significance is what the repairing obligations are under the lease.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, you want to understand as as the the investor, does the tenant have a responsibility to maintain the whole of the building or just the internal skin of the building? Um, because if it's just the internal skin of the building, your responsibility is likely to be for the rest of the building. So, you want to understand what your you're buying and what you're getting yourself in for and then if your responsibility is the whole of the building whether you can recharge that onto your tenant by way of a service charge Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so sorry that's a lot of information (laughs) to to, to bombard you at but but are the key things that we want to look at in a lease
0: yeah and making yeah Basically, making sure that it's as valuable as possible for a landlord and you're not being set up to fail because of some dodgy lease clauses.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is a more succinct way of putting it. (laughs) And if there's anything that you see in there,
0: then definitely speak to a solicitor because your solicitor should be working with you on this to make sure that you are as protected as possible. And where not, you need to be negotiating a
1: discount. Yeah. You know, with our, my job is to to look at the terms of that lease, to understand the property and to report to you on what I see are potential issues and potential risks and to make sure that you fully understand from a legal perspective what you are buying. Um, and that goes hand in hand with the role of your surveyor who will be looking at it from a physical built perspective. Um, so between your solicitor and your surveyor, you should have a fairly good idea of what you're buying and make an informed decision about when, whether you want to proceed or not.
0: Mm -hmm. But just make sure that you ask for all of this information. Do not agree to a commercial deal with a tenant in situ without seeing the lease. Please don't do that. Just have, even have a read through the lease yourself. (laughs) Just, just to make sure, get it checked over by a solicitor, just to make sure that you know what you're buying because Otherwise, you could end up buying a property, being messed around by a commercial tenant and not having any money coming in. But also, lenders
1: won't lend to you on dodgy
0: leases either with commercial. No,
1: they won't. One of the key things a lender wants to know is how you can get rid of a tenant um, if they stop paying the rent.
0: Mm -hmm. So finally final question i can't believe we're on the final question we've kind of we've kind of been going around i had have a list of questions here and we've just been covering them a bit ad hoc so i'm sorry if i've been throwing questions at you out of left field um but final question how do you see the market changing over the coming months and years as we figure out both covid and brexit because i think a lot of people forget that we've
1: still got a brexit deal to sort out (laughs) i know it, it. You know i think there was the brexit bounce in january and we all thought that at last we're, we're starting to come out of this and then covid happened <laughs> um and we do have the double whammy now of covid and brexit so i think um i the way i view um the market going particularly with commercial leases is that tenants are going to want certainty and flexibility um so they want they're going to want certainty about the bottom line how much money they're paying mm-hmm. so i suspect it will be things like inclusive rents capped service charges um fixed rent reviews that's what they're going to want to ask i think um but whether or not that's actually given i don't know um and then flexibility i think they're going to want to know they can either get out of the lease so Um, break clauses shorter terms with a right to renew if if things are going well Mm -hmm. and an ability to sublet spaces if you know if they need to in order to supplement the income if they've got excess space okay interesting
0: So certainty of term but flexibility of everything else
1: yes i think um they, they want to know (laughs) <laughs> everyone they, they want to know that they they can they can use the property for other uses if 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 need be mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. which isn't the end of the world to be fair I'd far rather encourage an innovative tenant than I would just shut them down
1: yeah and I, I think we go back to the theme of if today is um is kind of negotiation is negotiation in an open dialogue if you've got an innovative tenant and you you believe in what they're doing um perhaps you're more likely to to work with them rather than against them
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on that note i think we should finish this podcast Thanks, Nishita, for coming back and coming back with the commercial property talk, which I love. So I hope it's been useful to everybody who's been listening. If it has, please make sure that you rate, you review, and you subscribe to this podcast so that every single week you get the newest podcast straight into whatever platform you listen in on. Thank you for listening to us today. I cannot wait to catch up with you all again soon.